everybody. This is your host, Huge Pop, with the Huge Pop Wrestling Fan Podcast. I want to go into Detroit um, Pistons mode and introduce my guest. He stands in at 6'7". He's from Wichita Falls. He's an actor. He's a voiceover specialist, a comedian. He's done it all. He's even wrestled, and he's part of CWF Rockwell. Welcome to the show, the captain with the K, Kevin Kasky. How you doing, my friend? I am blessed. Good to see you both this evening. Glad to be here. Good to see you. Thank, Thank you, you for Thank taking you. the time out. Um, I would say this uh, to all the guys that come on from CWF. It was a decision to be made um, that I reached out to Rob Vaughn, and um, I was like, "Man, I, you know, the, the CWF looked interesting. It looked, I didn't wasn't sure what it was all about, and to be quite honest, I wasn't sure what to expect. And I like lobbied that what well, should we do it should be done and we and my wife says what does your heart say and i said we should she goes okay then you know because you got a christian wrestling fa- um promotion and you got a regular secular promotion and how do you think fans are going to react to everything and my wife says to me just do it just do it is that what you want to do and i say yes and I'm, i don't know about rico but i can say every week we've had a cwf um wrestling for purpose or wrestling with purpose interview it's been a blessing i'll just put mm-hmm. it like that and definitely it has. And that's actually how I kind of got involved with the CWF. Uh, I was looking. I wanted one more match. Just one more match. That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> and uh, I, I found it. I hadn't found any promotions. And I found this one. And I told my wife, I said, hey, I can probably sink my teeth into this. It's, you know, combining my love for Christ with wrestling. And I want to get involved. And uh, I emailed Rob and. I said, I'm a broken down, old, has been, never was, and uh, let me come on in and, you know, see what we can do. And it's been 12 years later and still, still, or 13 years later, still going strong. Yeah, man, that's, it's impressive. I mean, you have such, you, our guest today has a incredible background, incredible resume. And before we get into the wrestling bit of things, I'm just so, let's talk about the voiceover and acting part of your your career. I mean, it's a pretty impressive. Uh, he's been an extra in in the roles in Return of the Living Dead, Friday Night Lights, Any Given Sunday, Necessary Roughness, Life of the Party, Return of the Killer, Tomatoes, <clears throat> No Holds Barred. Uh, uh, are you seeing extra. a pattern there? Do you see a pattern? Uh, you know, every one of those, I was a football player. I okay. was a, a door host at a club, uh, you know, and that's exactly what my acting career in, on film turned out to be is because that's what I was just sort of typecast. And when we did No Holds Barred, which was a Hulk Hogan movie, um, you know, they asked me, yeah, Zeus, Zeus. Uh, they asked me if I could, you know, if I would be interested in getting started in, in training. And I was like, sure, why not? You know, whatever. And uh, being from Dallas, and of course, at that time, the Sportatorium was going through a transition because it was right at the end of the original WCCW and it was global wrestling federation for a while. And then another WCCW, but you know, theater, Oh, I'm, I'm great on theater. Cause I got stage presence. When I walk out on stage, you know, I'm there, uh, acting for, for movies. I can't tell you how many times I would go to an audition. I'd open the door and they'd go, thank you. <laughs> like, but I just opened the door. <laughs> we're good. Nice. We're good. <laughs> yeah, we're good. Uh, but no, any so is there any cool stories behind the uh the the acting part? I mean, you got to act in the same movie as Hulk Hogan did. I mean, that's pretty cool. Anything? Yeah, anything? it was the 
it was fun to do a lot of those different things. And, you know, of course, I'm not really a serious kind of guy to begin with. And I would always, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I would always find somebody to cut up with when we were doing these things. Like if a couple of these, we ever looked at life of the party, we're just in the background and we're in front of a buffet table of Danish and stuff. And every time they'd yell cut, we'd just take the Danish and replace it with a different Danish. And they'd cut and take the Danish, replace it with a different Danish, just to see if the if the person that was uh, doing the continuity stuff would, would pick up on it. And they didn't. But <laughs> you say, hey, he's got a different Danish. Well, we're just eating it all. That's, how... That's awesome, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Voiceovers. Any cool yes. voiceovers? Um no, and when I started doing that, I started doing that when I was much, much younger. And it was a really small community at that time. So I do, you know, standard character voices and uh, things of that nature. And I do a lot of industrial type films, you know, for colleges and, and those sorts of things. And I've always earned a little extra money doing that. It's my, one of my favorite things to do, being on air when I was working in radio was great. Uh, radio is a great, a great job if you want to have a short-lived career anywhere. Uh, I think my first, I think my first morning show gig in radio, I earned like $210 a week, uh, to get up at three o'clock in the morning, which was tough for an 18 year old and, uh, you know, get in there and do that. And I got that first paycheck and I was like, $210. Oh yeah, that's great money for what a mushroom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now you have your own productions then, right? Is that my reading? That yeah. Right? I, I'll record my stuff because a lot of times nowadays you, you don't even go into the same studio with anyone else. You just record those things and go from there. And I've fallen off on doing a lot of it here over the last couple of years because my my business, you know, I have to earn real money uh, mm -hmm. occasionally. My business requires that I, you know, have to put some of that stuff aside and you don't get the chance to pursue it. Now that my kids are grown and, you know, the grandkids go, oh, look, it's a grandkid. Here you go. Thank you very much. Uh, I don't have to raise you. Uh, now I'm, I'm starting to kind of focus on that as well. So I can get the time doing that. Yeah. Wow. So like the voices stuff, you ever do like, uh, like cartoon voices or anything like that? I've done some, and usually it'll sound, it'll sound like this, but that, <laughs> my range is not great on the great cartoon voices, but, uh, you know, I, I did a whole series back in the, uh, in the eighties cause I did a, I did a, a really killer Ronald Reagan. So people would get me to have Ronald Reagan come onto their show and like, well, there you go again. And, you know, they'd have it their, their parties. This cameo thing that's out now would be great because you can get all that stuff and, and to put it all into a nutshell and make and make uh, accounts that way. Nice. Now, do you have any wrestlers you can do? Uh, anybody from CWF you'd like to inter intimidate or not? No, because I really like those guys and I don't want to really tick them <laughs> off. Uh, no, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Of course, you know, you can always do Hulk Hogan and, uh, find out the old Minnesota governor, uh, <laughs> those sorts of guys. It, it's it, a lot of times I'll do people to them and that's kind of fun because nine times out of 10, if somebody is doing you to you, you don't pick up on it. You don't, you don't get the humor. Why are they laughing? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> They're laughing funny. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And before oh, we get into the, your the wrestling part of it, explain that. Can you talk to us about your experience in college football, NCAA football? Play for Syracuse. Play for Syracuse. Uh, my progression is is as follows. I went to college to play football. 
I was such a great football player that I became an actor. And then I was such a great actor that I became a bug guy. So, you know, there's the progression right there. Uh, as uh, as uh, Harry Callahan from the uh, Dirty Harry movies would say, a man's got to know his limitations. And I figured those out pretty quickly. All right, oh. man. There you go. So, Rico, go ahead, man. Oh, so when you, like, originally, you were younger, did you have a, a passion for wrestling or you just kind of picked it up along the way? I, I liked wrestling. My dad was something my dad and I shared together. We would go. Uh, to the wrestling or WWF back then when it would come through town and, you know, the old days of uh, Bulldog Brower and Dominic DiNucci and those guys. And uh, it was always fun. And of course, then when it started getting to the modern era with the, you know, the Hulk Hogan's and the Andre, the giants, uh, you know, those guys. And I always, I always picked up on the Hulk Hogan aspect of it being an entertainer uh, really is what struck me more than anything else. Because as you hear a lot of times, if people are honest about what it is, is there's talent and then there is attraction. And I always tried to be the, the you know, try to walk that fine line. Talent is great. There's a lot of talented people, but they're not an attraction. And the attraction is what gets you called back when you're, when you're trying to do this for a living. What's going to draw people to you? Oh, well, he's a really good wrestler. Yay. So what? <laughs> you know, and the promoter sits in the back room counting his money. And if he's not hearing anything, you're not coming back. Or you go, well, okay, I was going to give you that, but I'm only going to give you this. Take it or leave it. Uh, so I've, I've always tried to do that. But the entertainment aspect of it, uh, I love to entertain a crowd. Uh, you know, you put me in front of a crowd. I'll figure out, was I the class clown? Yes, I was. Yeah. I told, I told, uh, Ryan Hart that I'm very, uh, I'm very shy. Uh, I wasn't sure if I wouldn't, you know, get choked up and not able to do things, but you, you know, entertain, which ties into, and you know, you hate to kind of do that where, um, they're saying that, uh, being, sort of a, 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 not a, a religion, not a religion, but doing a show that involves talking about Jesus Christ. It has to have an entertainment aspect to it. Yeah. Uh, this is 2023 uh, to get the people that do not know Jesus Christ as of yet, you got to get their attention. And how do you get their attention? Uh, that's, there's a, there's a show out now called the chosen. I love the chosen because the guy that plays Jesus is how I picture Jesus being. He's, you know, he's very dynamic. He interacts with his disciples. Uh, he kind of jokes around with them because that's what I picture. You know, mm -hmm. nothing against the guys that have played Jesus in movies before. You know, uh, I'm Jesus. Great. And, OK, well, great. Who's going to follow that? Nobody. But, you know, you put a little dynamism in there. People are going to follow. And to make that that uh, breakthrough on people that may have never uh met Jesus or heard about him or know anything about him, you got to break through the outer shell so that the Holy Spirit can get in there and do what he's going to do. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, I got a little ahead of myself bringing Jesus into it, but you know. No, I'm you're good. No, you're good because I, that's one of those things that Rico and I talk about all the time. You know, you have CWF, you know, Rockwell, you have CWF West Texas, and you guys got, then you have um, SICW up in St. Louis at the, at the old school. But what I'm saying is you got different aspects but the same kind of people love wrestling because people love if you're a wrestling fan you're a wrestling fan and mm -hmm. so how do you keep their interest 
as a, in a Christian wrestling federation so that they just don't get up and leave. But what, what you just said makes sense. Um, I was a youth pastor back in, when I lived in Michigan and my, um, we had a, uh, like a 40 hour fathom fathom or whatever. And I was playing yeah. music and my pastor goes, you need to play their music because if you don't play their music, how are they going to get connected? And then you can slide in. And once you got their attention, you can now they'll want to talk to you. But if you don't have their attention, they're never going to want to talk to you. The, the biggest thing is that when we put on a wrestling show, it's a wrestling show. It just happens to be tied in with a message. There's testimonials. There's a message at the end of it. So when you're dealing with somebody that you're trying to get to come to the show, you go, well, uh, what do you got to lose? You're going to get a good quality night of wrestling. And in the end, maybe you're going to have something. I make no bones about anybody that's coming to these wrestling shows, but it may be life changing. Uh, but you're going to get a good wrestling show out of the deal. The Holy Spirit does all the work. We do nothing other than put on a quality show, tell a good story, keep it exciting. Uh, and the fans will come and they're the ones that go and tell their friends Hey, you got to come check this out. You've got to come see what these guys do. It's completely different. And in the in the CWF, it's not just the fans. You know, we don't. Everybody that comes to wrestle with us is not necessarily a, a full bone, full blown uh, Christian. Uh, they may be dabbling around, and they're kind of sure. And then we show them the love that we have for each other in the locker room. And that's always the biggest comment that we get from the guys that come in. I've never been in a locker room like this. Uh, you know, one of the guys is always, I'm not afraid to leave my wallet in my, in my bag. Uh, yeah, and it, that sounds bad, but it's really true. If you've ever been in a, in a true wrestling locker room, uh, it's not a good place. Uh, and you don't want to leave anything of value. Uh, you don't even want to leave your gear there half the time. Uh, is there a place I can put this while I go out and, and do my thing? I think Barrett Brown, didn't Barrett Brown say that to us? That was yes. the one that said, hey, man, I can leave my wallet right outside, out my bag, and no one's going to take it, and I'm, I feel comfortable with that. Yeah, so it's the one place you don't have to worry about somebody taking your wallet. Yep. You know, and, and it is true. And and what we do is we minister to, you know, the, the younger guys that are just starting out on their walk or just trying to figure out their walk so that they can turn into a good quality uh Christian wrestler so that as they go forward with their walk, they can then go and talk to the, the people out in the crowd because you get all kinds of people from people that just want to, you know, they raise their hand. They want to have somebody pray over them to somebody who is just, they want to give their life over to Christ for the first time. They want to rededicate their lives uh, or they just want to meet a wrestler. Uh, you know, but either way, we won't, we don't miss that opportunity to, to pray with them and to, to go from there. But each one of us has that responsibility to ourselves and to others. And we'll bring the younger guys in when we're going over to the people in the crowd at the end, we'll bring the younger guys in so they can sit in and see how it's done. And that genuine feeling uh, that you convey to the people is what's, it's so important. It's very moving. Uh, and it's very, very important because it's just, it, when you can feel the Holy spirit in a room full of wrestling fans, you you don't even have a clue as to how that feels. Like you say, it's wrestling, but seeds are getting planted at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we don't we don't make any you know. Hey, great, you accepted Christ, but now the hard work begins because 
you know, Satan really doesn't like losing one of his minions and he's going to do everything to try and make you fail. So get to church, read a Bible, get plugged in somewhere with like-minded people. You know, this is great that you come here once a month to the wrestling show, but that's not enough. So we make sure that we tell them that to be able to uh, go forward. And as we've said, then they get that great wrestling show and there's great storylines. Uh, you mentioned Barrett. Barrett is a great storyteller <clears throat> as, as, we've, as we're going forward. Uh, you know, and he's helped everybody grow in their storytelling ability, not only in the ring and out of the ring. Yeah. Well, we have, I, bet, I can say we've been blessed. Again, with your already, you're, you're just, it's just, you can feel the presence of, you know, like you, what your purpose is. And it's just amazing every, every Monday. That's why I love Monday so much. Um, growing up, did you watch, uh, or do you still watch any of the mainstream um, promotions at all? I had gotten away from it uh, when it got really raunchy and my kids were just getting old enough. Mm -hmm. uh, I had gotten away from watching it because it's kind of, do I really want to convey this to them? And it was, you know, Hey, you're going to do what you're going to do. That's fine. I just, I don't have to, I don't have to watch it. So I'd gotten away from it there. But then as we went forward and we started letting the boys get into you know, get into it a little bit more. They grew up a little bit differently than other kids watching wrestling because I taught them the scenes. So, you know, yeah. they would, I said, okay, here's, here's how this works. You know, I'd tell them a little inside baseball. And so that became fun to them too, because I said, doesn't matter whether you're, you know, a little ham and egger or you're the biggest consummate professional there is, there's seams and we all miss them. <laughs> but, you know, if you're good, nobody sees them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Rico? I want to know uh, the the story of your uh, radio DJ days. When did that start about? I uh, started in radio when I was 14 years old. Uh, my voice just dropped. I never had the, ah, hi, how are you? Uh, no, my voice just <laughs> dropped. So I started where there was a radio station. Incidentally, it was the same radio station that Dick Clark started on. Uh was yeah. just up nice. the road. And I started off doing, uh, you know, just afternoon or weekends and evenings on the weekends and fill in wherever they needed me be. And so that's how that all started. And it was funny because I'd hear, I'd have people in school, they would come up to me and go, Hey, I heard you on the radio last night. And I was, yeah, it's my job. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got criticism. What do you, you know, what are you going to tell me? I, yes, that's not anything, but it's my job. So, so that's how it was. And you know, went from there forward to doing that. It was a great part-time gig. And like I said, there wasn't a lot of money in it. And I came down here and uh, got caught up in a station that the IRS had closed down. And I lost about $400 worth of CDs in the mix, you know, back when CDs were really expensive. Uh, and I said, you know what? I'm done. Uh, that's it. <laughs> no more. Nice. So as a fan, or even as your kids watching it growing up, were you a WCW fan? Yes. Okay, so I have to ask that question because I've had, I got asked the trick question of the night. Listen, I don't know. Right? It's just a question. <laughs> Who is the greatest WCW champion of all time? Uh, that's a tough one to kind of pinpoint who was the greatest. Because uh, remember, I told you, my, my love of this sport flows into the entertainment value of it. And you can't beat Ric Flair. Uh, you know, 
that man could hold a crowd and take a beating and keep on ticking and get up and hold that crowd. Mm -hmm. And it just amazed me to watch him work. I agree with that, but the answer is wrong. The answer is David Arquette. <laughs> David Arquette. He's the greatest WCW champion ever. Well, if you ask David Arquette, he will tell you that's the truth. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about uh, WWE, I, formerly WWF? Sorry, he's bothering me. Who's the greatest champion? Mm -hmm. uh, so many that, and once again, Hulk Hogan made the WWEF whatever uh, all the letter agencies. He made it what it was. He broke it through into the mainstream. Everybody knew the Hulkster. Uh, there were so many guys that they were great showmen, and there were guys that were great tactical people. Uh, but to my book, you know, Bruno Sammartino is the greatest of all time. My dad's in the chat. He says he's the greatest champion of all time. So, Dad, you are. Yeah. You are. You are my champion, Dad. I really do appreciate you. Um, my, my mom... We lost my mom in October, so yeah, I heard that. Very sorry to hear that. That's my dad's pull. My dad, you know, he keeps the family together and everywhere he can. So yeah, so Bruno um, so, San Martino. What about Bruno Macho Man? Yeah, yeah, Macho Man. He was he was good. Uh, you know, and once again, entertainment aspect, Macho Man could not be beaten. So you know, when you're looking at all of those different things that people are doing. Uh, the the um, macho man he could hold his own. The the whole Poffo family was out doing their thing, uh, just you know making a name for wrestling in in Florida. So when you, you can't just say you know who's the greatest because each era was different. Uh, mm -hmm. I've met some of the guys that were back you know from the fifties and sixties, and my dad was a wrestler, and so those guys from the fifties and sixties totally different. Uh, my dad, you know, used to always say when he was alive, he would say that the television aspect of, of wrestling ruined it, uh, because you could, you know, it went in there and people would start doing stuff more for show rather than for the, the wrestling aspect of it. And each one of us always has to work. You know, you want to play to the crowd and you want to play to the people that are at home, but you don't want to overplay to that. Mm. Yep. Very so true. Very true. When you broke into the business and you said, ah, I'm going to be a pro wrestler, what, what, where were you at in life when you made that decision? And then can you talk to us about your, where you went to train? Yeah, uh, I w went to the, uh, when they asked me to do that and I was still, uh, you know, I was working in nightclubs as a, as a bouncer or DJ and a bartender, depending on, you know, where they needed me on certain things like that. And when I got into training, uh, it was kind of just around the corner from where all those places were. And through uh, being uh, at Devastation Inc., which was Skandar Akbar's thing, it was a, you know, a great experience because Jimmy Webb was one of the greatest guys in the world, but you would never know it through his character. Uh, but when you were training, you thought his character was who he was. But what he did was teach you, you know, that the business is all about the entire business. It's just not about getting into the ring, not about doing, you know, all, all of this. The business has changed so much that a lot of these young guys getting it nowadays don't understand. Uh, you know, for the first year and a half that I was in, after I got out of training, the first year and a half, and I was going to put that, you know, add that onto the resume of the head of my, uh -huh. my different names. My first year and a half, my name was his opponent. Uh, <laughs> his opponent. <laughs> his opponent. All right. You know. 
back in the old days, you know, the, the lights would come up and you'd be standing in the ring, you know, pasty and just sitting there in a, you know, scrawny pair of manis or, you know, bike, bike <laughs> pants or something and his opponent and you'd never get the name out. So that was, that was what you did. You know, thank you very much. Here's your money. Hit the door. Uh, so you know, nowadays they come in, they want characters immediately. They want, you know, entrance music. They want all of this stuff. And, you know, and that's fine because the business has progressed to that point, but it definitely made you humble because here you were thinking you were doing all these things and training and you've trained me for this and you trained me for that. And the word would come in, uh, you know, the word would come down to who you were wrestling that night and you'd go and try to, okay, let's talk about what we're going to do. It's like, I'm just going to kick your butt. Uh, well, what about this? I'm just going to kick your butt. And, you know, I'll grab a hold of you and I'm going to do this and you just follow. Oh, so great. And that's really what it ended up being is they would just come in and kick your butt and you'd soak out to the, you know, out to the back and uh, lick your wounds and go, okay, when do I come back? <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, nice. So it's, I believe that to be true is uh, back then, I think it made you respect the business more, the things you had to go through, you know, going in truck stops, taking showers, you know, wherever you could find a place, sleeping in your cars. So nowadays, you know, guys get a little bit better. They get a better opportunity than the guys before then. Yeah. It's like in so many aspects of a lot of industries, like the music industry, Um, you know, we had garage bands back then. You know, you literally would open the garage door and people would come up and you'd play and thank you. You'd work really hard to go play at a high school dance as long as you knew Stairway to Heaven and Freebird, you were okay. There you uh, go. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, you know, now these guys go, and with all this stuff you can record on your phones and your iPads, and uh, you know, you have all this technology at your fingertips. Oh, well, I've recorded an album and I need a posse. I've got to have all these people with me. And they're not paying their dues, so to speak. They're just putting out something and then thinking they're important. Yeah. And it's one of the things that we've lost, you know, we've lost that as a culture is when you work really hard, you respect it a whole lot more and you respect, you know, the others that have come before you and you try to hold on to it and nurture that and help the ones that are coming behind you as well. Uh, but we've become such an instant gratification, a me society that nobody wants to work at anything. They want to, uh, you know, they want to be handed it and they want to, you know, get that big paycheck, but they don't want to have to go through uh, the stuff that the people that came before them that laid that groundwork, like you were talking about, sleeping in the cars and going to truck stops. And, uh, you know, there were no limos. There was, hey, we're going to this show up here in Arkansas. You got a ride? Yep, let's go. And, you know, You'd get done these places, you'd walk in, you go, wow, hundred people in there and you'd leave and you couldn't afford a hotel room. You know, you put the money the three of you earned or four of you earned that night at the wrestling ring. And you can barely pay for the showers at the truck stop. So yeah, you touched on paying your dues. That was a question I was going to ask a little later, but um, now that you brought it up and that's a, how important. And, and do you, I know I probably, I, I almost bet CWF, um, follows that pay you dues how does you see that less now in the um indies more than it was back in the day paying your dues a little bit a little bit less but the people that are true champions and i don't mean champions necessarily by putting the strap on 
but the people who are true champions, your, your Tim Storms, your Barrett Browns, uh, those guys who are champions in the world of professional wrestling are there and they just, you know, they just command respect because of who they are. Uh, and so the guys understand because they're more than happy to tell you, uh, this is not a, you know, this is not all glats, glitz and glam glamour. There's a lot of times where, you know, they act like me. You sound like a symphony warming up with the drum section every time you go to try and stand up out of a chair. Uh, because <laughs> there's uh, there's not a lot of uh, not a lot of uh, love lost for, from my body, so to speak, of what I've done to it over the years. Right, right. I know I was just at a uh, promotion here in the Panhandle of Florida, XIW, Extreme Impact Wrestling, Jad Saxon and um, the boys, uh, Adrian Whisper. And they had a steel cage. It was their end of the year steel cage event. And um, I got to the um, thing early because I had to set up my podcast booth. And they had that show. They had Austin Aries. And Austin Aries himself included was helping set up that ring, you know, putting the putting the wood down and making sure that um, the under, undercarriage was um, ratcheted tight enough, putting that cage up. And it's just it, to watch that. And I had some of my foster kids and we were talking about paying your dues and what was, that was like. And to just watch that event happen. It was so so cool. It was so, it was like a lesson learned. And um, so I just, I can't imagine those that would not help. I mean, I don't know. I just, I don't well, know. And, there, and there's really no place for it in a smaller promotion. We've been down, you know, in the CWF, we've been down to where there was maybe 10 of us. Mm -hmm. uh, you didn't have a choice. Right. Grab the, grab the ring out of the trailer, set it up, put the cables on it, put the wood on it you know, throw the, throw the, uh, the padding down and go from there. And mm -hmm. it's nice when you have people that are willing to help, but what's good about CWF is that everybody will then chip in to help the younger guys. So they understand, Oh, you're not just standing over there looking important. You're actually right there with me, carrying in those, those two by 12 planks that go across that ring. <laughs> so everybody kind of understands that. The bigger promotions, yeah, WWE and WCW and AEW, they have crews that leapfrog. They've got two or three right. different stuff. Right. They go, you're on to the next third one after that, and you're at the next third one after that. But that's really, really rare. Uh, you know, people, they when they aspire to be a wrestler, it's nice to look at those, but that is not the real wrestling world. The real wrestling world is gritty. It's grimy. It's dirty. It's hard work. Uh, you know, it's painful and because you get people out there that, uh, you know, their talent level, if you can carry them great, but a lot of times you get some guys with some subpar talent, uh, you're liable to get hurt uh, because they do something that's not right, uh, which puts that at risk in the ring. And, you know, it's just kind of the nature of the business. And this is one of those businesses uh, not the CWF. That's the nice part about this. You get hurt in the real business. Uh, well, uh, what have you done for us lately? Well, you're hurt. So, sorry. Uh, so, that's what you always have to watch for. The CWF, because we're a family, you get hurt. We're going to help nurture you. We're going to bring you back. Welcome back to the uh, to the fold. And, you know, we're not going to just chunk you off to the side because, you know, you got hurt in the wrestling ring. You still have value to us. Uh, a as a person as part of the group with the Bible studies with you know all of those things plus the people that are willing 
to, uh, you know, that you are going to minister to when we go out and talk to them after the show. Yeah. And I love that about CWF. I just, I think that's so, so great. So great. Yeah. What you're talking about, it's pretty sad that nowadays um, nobody wants to work hard anymore. They want things just handed to them. There is the, the mentality of let me work hard to get what I want has gone out the window. It's, well, me give, give me this, give me that. Right, and when and when you're training to be a wrestler, it's a process. Uh, you know, every once in a while, you'll see someone come in that's just got uh, raw talent. You know, those are gifted people that are few and far between, and they're often brilliant. But it's a, it's a process. Uh, it's 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 kind of like a microcosm. I love to my my son laughs at me because I yell at the the uh, the. Uh, broadcasts of football games because they're like, oh, well, you know, uh, this guy's hurt and that guy's hurt. And it's like, you have to condition yourself for the hurt. And, you know, they've reduced the amount of you know, contact practices for football players. Well, why is that? Well, because they don't want to have to do it. Well, now you're getting hurt because just like anything else, yes, you condition your body, but you have to condition your body to take that pain. And it's the same thing in wrestling. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, guys. It's not a trampoline. Uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you hit that, when you hit that thing, I came from an era where the big guys didn't do all the, you know, the big stuff, the, you know, the pirouettes and jumping off the top rope. Big guys didn't do that. We were just the big guys. We walked around, look intimidating and smack people around and maybe, maybe take a couple of bumps. Uh, cause you know, I really never enjoyed having my, uh, you know, throwing myself down on, uh, you know, concrete, no. you know, but you have to condition yourself to be able to take that, to, you know, the, uh, the ropes are not padded with the uh, soft uh, chamomile things. They're wire uh, with a little bit of tape over them. So you have to condition yourself to take that across your back. Um, when people always want to talk about the, uh, the reality of wrestling, my, my thing is always, yeah, come here, let me fake slap you. Uh, <laughs> let me give you a chop. Uh, no, I mean, not no disrespect. You're a big guy. I would not want to take a chop from you. I don't care if you're an announcer right now or what. Hell, no, I'm not doing it. I that. can still hold my own, but I bet, I bet. That's how all of this go, you know, all of this goes together, and it's all part of the show because, <clears throat> and especially when you're doing wrestling for God and for Jesus Christ, if you can't convince the audience to leave their reality to then watch the wrestling show and believe what they are seeing, then why are they going to believe you about the gospel? So, you, you know, it's even more important to make sure that that kind of all meshes together that, you know, when people come in, they see the captain. Okay. Captain runs his mouth. Captain does this. Until the end of the show, people don't get to know the jovial, happy, go lucky me. You know? So that, but being in that character is what keeps that reality for them. So that when we go to learning or, you know, hearing about the gospels, that that's what makes them. Okay. Well, if they were doing this, maybe what they're saying about this guy, Jesus is something I want to look a little more into. Mm -hmm. now, when you're uh, talking about the conditioning, it reminded me of something. Um, Hope nobody gets mad about it, people listening out there. But the military, they're taking away a lot of the PT training. 
uh, they're not conditioning the guys like it used to be back in the day. So when you said that, it kind of like really like, man, it, yeah, you're kind of taking away the guy's conditioning for to deal with the pain when the pain comes. They're not going to be able to handle it. Exactly true. My my youngest son is currently in the United States Air Force. Ours is in the Army. His, his uh, class coming through uh, BMT and Lackland was like one of the last where they actually did the, the real PT training. Mm-hmm. Uh, even he complains about the younger people that are now coming through it where they've bypassed so much of that and it just drives, it drives him nuts. It drives me nuts because, you know, what part of, uh, you know, your cry room is force readiness for an enemy that's out there wanting to kill us, not for anything other than we believe in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I'm sorry. They don't care what, you know, if you have your cry room or if you're, you know, you have your little cuddle blanket, they, you know, they mean business. We need to mean business and, but the military, the you know, football, wrestling, all of these things, you know, all the sports except for baseball, you know, their conditioning is a little bit different than everybody else's. But uh, unless you're, uh, but you know, all of us have to kind of do our part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, did your football, your college football experience, did that help you with your training in the ring and how to be able to take the bumps or? Yeah, well, yeah, it, it did. Uh, and, you know, I, I was not a great, like I said, I gave you the progression. I was not a great right. football player. But you sit there and you, uh, you know, you work out uh, to condition yourself to do all of that stuff. And, yes, it helped out. It was I kept in pretty good shape. Uh, I remember one time I had befriended a bunch of the guys that were on the uh, SMU lacrosse team, or rugby team, I mean, and they had asked me, if I wanted to come over for a little pickup game on Saturday and I was still in really good shape at that time. And I said, yeah, that sounds like fun. I was wanting to play rugby and uh, got over there and I lasted about 15 minutes. Did not prepare me for anything with those guys. Their, their pickup game was, you know, was horrible. Uh, if you weren't uh, completely trained for that, but it's, it's like somebody described wrestling before. You know, they play hard, harder than most people will fight. Uh, you know, don't get a bunch of wrestlers in a room where it's kind of a free-for-all because it'll just, uh, it'll make it, you know, it'd be wild. <laughs> awesome. <clears throat> um, career, career highlights. What would you consider to be the highlight of your wrestling career? Uh, highlight, highlight of my wrestling career was the night that I got the Sportatorium Championship. Uh, cause it was in front of a, you know, a normal sportatorium crowd. Uh, and that was, you know, it'd been a long time coming, although it was not the, you know, not the original WCCW, but it had just gone back to that for the short period of time. Uh, and that was, I, I thought that was a good honor, uh, to be able to do that. And then, you know, so that would probably be the highlight of the wrestling career. But anytime I got to be in the ring and just have fun with people, I got to meet most of the people that people know. Uh, you know, they had they had come through Dallas, or I'd run into them at other places. So I got to meet most of them, uh, and that was always a highlight. And the same thing with the acting stuff; you got to meet some people, got to meet them as a real person. Um, what happened? Okay. 
So when you were talking to WCCW, was that the Von Erics and all that? Yes. Okay. Because JT Give a key plug in right now for the new the new Iron Claw movie. Okay. Uh, it's a great it's a great movie. Uh, Kevin oversaw it. They're using real wrestlers, other than the you know a couple of the main characters. But most of them are real uh, real wrestlers. So it's got very good live action, and they're allowing the warts to be shown of the of the Atkinson family. Uh, awesome. So that's and that's what it is. It's a it's a it's a pullback into the lives of those kids uh, that. People go, ah, he screwed them up. No, he prepared them to be in the wrestling world, and but he was a very demanding father. And that gets a lot of people, you know, because fathers aren't demanding anymore, uh, but he was a very demanding father and demanded better from them. Uh, and, very, and then just boys are just competitive naturally in that setting. Mm-hmm. So each one of them wanted to outdo <clears throat> the next one, which unfortunately turned into some substance abuse on those trying to get the next leg up or the next, you know, the next way to do that. Uh, but that movie, uh, if you've never been, you know, seen what it is, I've, I've seen scenes of it where they show the old sportatorium at night and it's just outstanding because, you know, that's been long gone. They tore that down years ago, but it looks just like it did back in the day. Now, where's the sportatorium at? Uh, it used to be in Dallas. It was down on Katie's and industrial uh in downtown just south of downtown dallas uh there's a place called the you know the world famous longhorn ballroom which a lot of you know held a lot of uh old uh, music stars that had come through and then the sportatorium was there just down and that was uh, always wrestling on friday and saturday nights and then when they switched to the will uh will rogers coliseum out in fort worth that took one night out of the out of the sportatorium and then it became a vacant, abandoned building, and uh, the you know, people that were occupying it ended up burning it, and then they just tore it down. Gotcha, Rico, man. Uh, so I was getting weird. Switch it up a little bit. Talk about, <clears throat> sorry, ring announcing. How important is a ring announcer's job in wrestling? Uh, the ring announcer's job is really, really important because what he does, you know, if you if you just say somebody's name hey this is really exciting uh and and, you know the crowd doesn't react you are setting the tone for that crowd of what they're going to see you know a a wrestling crowd is very malleable uh you know if you don't have the energy if you don't have the excitement you just let them get away i'm always i'm always fond of telling people when they're being quiet it's like this ain't free day at the fair folks this is you know this is not a golf tournament this is wrestling we're going to enjoy ourselves we're going to have fun it means you get loud you make people want to you know stand up and cheer boo the bad guys do whatever so when you do that that sets that that sets that tone for the for the uh, you know for the audience itself because they have to figure out for themselves who they like who they don't like and go from there now then it's after that it's up to the wrestlers to maintain that level uh my my big segment is called the captain's corner. Bring people out, and I'm just you know, I'm you know, flailing my arms and screaming and yelling and you know stomping on things, and then I'll ask a you know question. Bring it on, and you know somebody's like, well, you know, captain, I'm really excited to be here tonight. No, 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 no <laughs> excitement. Bring it because you've got to keep those people going. You got to give them a breather. You know, you can't just pound them on the head with the 
uh, you know, with what they're, you know, the wrestling all the time, all the time. So we got to give them a little breather. They got to get a little information. They've got to do all of this stuff. And through that, they then figure out how to, you know, how to react to the, the wrestlers that they see. Nice. So ring announcers build that crowd up and the wrestlers got to keep them going. Mm -hmm. So you have a bow. I kind of, I, when I seen that on your video that you did for the introduction of yourself, um, do you model that after uh, Jesse Body Ventura? It's kind of where I picked that up from. You know, I <laughs> took a little bit from all of those guys uh, because I always enjoyed, you know, what he would do and what his banter would be. Uh, it, it brings out my my inner flamboyant, as it were. Uh, yeah. It's kind of like one time I wore pink shorts out, and somebody's, you know, some little smart butt wanted to go, "Why are you wearing those?" And my response was. Because I can. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so you talk about, you know, the Sportatorium, and um, I'm familiar with the St. Louis with Herb Simmons, SICW. He talks a lot about the Chase Ballroom. Have you ever, have you ever wrestled in the Chase? Do you, have, do you know about No. That? No, I did not ever have the, the chance to do that. And now that leads me to my next question. What are your thoughts on the territory days? Um, and where they went, they disappeared. You feel that they hopefully someday they'll come back. Uh, I'm hoping that they'll come back now that uh, WWE is, you know, being run by different people at the top, so to speak. So they'll mm -hmm. concentrate on their product and promotion. Uh, problem was over the years, they just bought up everybody. Uh, you get these guys that probably the promoters that probably never brought home more than you know, 1500 bucks a month after expenses uh, and WWE would come in and say, here, here's a million dollars for, for your promotion. Well, you know, Ooh, happy day. I'm out, uh, you know, I'm out the door. Thank you. Uh, so they scooped them all up. Even the ones that they kept the branding, a lot of people didn't realize how much they owned, but you know, it, it's gotta go. It's it doesn't have to, but when you don't have the competition, uh, you know, then it, 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 everybody suffers for all the, the glitches and the other things that they say about this AEW that's out now, at least it holds WWE accountable uh, because they have a draw. They have names that are coming in and it's good because it makes the product on WWE better. And likewise on AEW, uh, it makes the product better. Competition is good. When you don't have competition, people get fat and lazy. No, I agree with you 1,000%, man. You you got to have that competition. It, it just makes it so much better. When WCW was going, you had the war, like the Monday Night Wars going on, and it just made each other better. Yeah, the Monday the Monday Night Wars made the entire wrestling world better uh, because <laughs> you had them, you know, who's going to win? And it got people interested, and they they so finely tuned their product that people were intrigued by it, that people wanted to be a part of it. They wanted to, if it was coming to your town, you wanted to go see what was going to happen. What are they going to do now? And it, it built to that when you don't have that, like, yeah, well, yeah, here they are They're They're just kind of going through the motions. And that's what happens when you don't have that competition. Everyone just kind of goes through the motions and it becomes robotic. And when you have robotic in the wrestling ring, it becomes very boring. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Rico, you got anything? Yeah, well, because he was talking about uh, 
talk about places to wrestle, I was going to ask you, what's your favorite place you've been to and wrestled at? Oh, my favorite was definitely the Sportatorium just because it was the mystique of the place. Uh, you know, it had it when you look at it, uh, you would have just the, the world famous, you know, Sportatorium, uh, which was already well established by the time I had gotten into it. So it's like, oh, I saw this as a kid because you would read stories about it. It was just mm -hmm. that, that mystique. I, I did a couple of walk ins on, you know, Jim Crockett Productions and you know, you look at it now and you go back and you look, so there's like a hundred people there. Uh, cause they had the black curtains behind everybody. Well, look at the crowd. Well, well, there wasn't any crowd. There was a black curtain. There was four rows of bleachers and there was a black <laughs> curtain. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so it looked like a lot. <laughs> Kevin Casey, the Texas kid, captain USA and the captain with a K. Those were some of your um, characters here. So which one of those uh, personas did you enjoy the most? Uh, Captain USA was fun because uh, I got, you know, that was one of those, well, let's see if we can pull it off kind of things because the original Captain USA in WCCW was Big John Studd. And so when he got called up, they wanted to keep the, keep the persona. So I had to go out and, you know, see if I could pull that off. I couldn't. Uh, but it was, it was fun to do that because you would have that, the music would hit and, and all of these things and people didn't buy it. Uh, even though we looked close, but I, you know, I gave way about four and a half inches. So. <clears throat> nice, nice. So you're a pretty, seemed like a pretty fun guy, pretty outgoing guy. Um, so I've got to imagine that traveling with you, even doing an event with you has to be pretty fun. What are some, what's a funny road trip story or funny story that you can share? Uh, <clears throat> probably one of the funniest ones that we had when we had gone out is that we had done a show in Harlingen, Texas, which is down by, which is down by the border. And we were in a van with our gear and other stuff in there. And back then they had those border checkpoints on the road. Well, we had had to go from Harlingen to Houston and get set up. So we had had, uh, by the time we got done with the show and got everything packed up and ready to, and you know, ready to move, we had, uh, we're driving along about 4.30 in the morning. Everyone else was asleep and I pull up on the checkpoint and they go, where are you coming from? And I went. Hmm. <laughs> And everyone else is asleep. And I was like, guys, guys, where were we? And they're all like, huh? Where were we? And nobody could remember. And by that time, people had, you know, by that time, now they're looking at us all kind of suspicious because this yeah. van where we had equipment and stuff, there was a partition behind it. And they're like, okay, y'all need to get out. Let's go oh, unload man. that. And I was like, and I went to step out of the truck and I went, Harlingen, we're, we're in Harlingen. The guy's like, yeah, it's too late for that now. So, <laughs> <laughs> nice, and then nice. there was, there was another one where we had looked at, you know, part of sometimes they would, they would give us a nice meal. And we got to this one place where they had given us a meal, prime rib, beautiful. And one of the guys really didn't like bloody meat. So he kind of turned his nose up and said, can I have this? well done please and it was like a nice five-star type chef because it was at a country club that we were doing a show and uh, that 
beautiful piece of prime rib came back about that wide and about that thin. I said, yeah, that five-star chef back there with the sear tool going, I'll give you well done. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. That's awesome. And there's other pranks, but, uh, you know, this is a family show. We don't want to get into those too much. That's so. all right. That's all right. That's good. Um, so, so, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to so what would you say – your personal favorite uh, wrestling match of all time? Uh, my uh, my favorite wrestling match of all time. Uh, I did a, a match with Iceman King Parsons uh, down at the the Sportatorium, and he was just a, a consummate talent. And we just went, and consequently, because it was also my favorite because everything was just rocking and rolling. And then we got our butts chewed because we went about six minutes too long. Uh, and <laughs> we got back there. We both got chewed royally because we had gone, you know, we had gone for 14 minutes and, but it was just flowing so well. We didn't even, and the ref never told us, Hey, you guys are going over. And that was one of my favorites. So um, does we talk about brotherhood. I talked about brotherhood a lot on all other podcasts. So it's brotherhood something that CWF um, teaches um, there that you guys follow and what does that mean to you guys? Yeah. The brotherhood is, is very, very important because you're going through all of this together and, you know, and, and during the last couple of years, uh, you know, I'm an old man now. Uh, so there's just nights I can't make it 40 something miles out to the Bible study as much as I would love to be there. But that brotherhood is so important because what you are doing is you're building that bond. And that goes back to the believable, the believability aspect of this right. is they see that brotherhood and they see the fact that we go out for each other and go, you know, out on the limb for each other. They'll understand that. And this goes back to also teaching the young guys that aren't sure what their walk is yet. They see that brotherhood in the locker room. They see that we're all encouraging each other. We're all praying for each other. We're making sure that everybody's okay uh and it's not cutthroat uh once again going back to just the business in itself it's cutthroat uh oh you 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 can't find your gear uh pay no attention to the fact that i stuffed it somewhere where you can't find it i guess i'll take your spot in the card gotcha, oh, gotcha. And I, yeah. I can say brotherhood is huge um in the cwf i know that as a as a um, friend of the cwf i get messages from kyle kyle k-i-e-l Kyle, I get message from Kyle, I get message from JT, I get message from Rob, and you know all the time. And those are the three, and then the ones that I that we've had on the podcast, they'll they'll text us every all, every so often. So they are they are so in tune with who they come across with, and so I just I think that's such an amazing thing from you guys. Yeah, um, and I and I will say because uh, uh, JT has been part of the organization for a lot of years. Uh, Phil, the uh, Bishop Baron. Uh, has been with the organization almost since the beginning. Rob, of course, and Tim Storm, those guys have been there. And then, you know, you've got uh, PFC Graham and me that have come in around the 13-year 13, 13 mark. And then the new guys, you know, Kyle has really stepped up. I'm going to brag on him for a second because he has stepped up so much in what he's done for the ministry and what he's put on the line for the, you know, for the young guys and, the, and the, his element of – the show and the stuff that he's done behind the scenes. I mean, it, it's priceless and uh, how much uh, he's helped grow that ministry. Now, 
you know, put a little a little disclaimer on there that he has to mute that uh, when he if he's watching the show, he has to mute that so he doesn't get the big head. But uh, you know, it's really important, that, and he has he has really really stepped up. I'm you know, I love that guy, and you know, you look at him and you just go, wow, with the stuff that he's had go on in his life. But he's he's really dedicated to this ministry, and it's like you know the way I describe getting into uh, the the wrestling ministry aspect of things. I mean, look at me, okay? Am I going to go knocking on someone's door to talk to them about Jesus Christ loves them? Can you see that one? <laughs> Hi, Mrs. Jones, I want to speak to you about Jesus. <laughs> and they're running around calling the police. Uh, so, but, you know, it gives that opportunity to be right. able to go ahead and, uh, you know, and uh, talk about Jesus in a setting that's befitting for us. We're not pretty people. Uh, but with that, you know, God made us who we are, how we are. So we kind of embrace, we embrace the ugly or I embrace the ugly. I've always done that. Yeah. <laughs> so I was as like doing the ring announcing, do you get involved with any of the uh, wrestling matches or storylines? Not, not so much uh, anymore. When I was doing the, uh, you know, when I was manager, uh, you know, doing this, I was still getting involved. Uh, you know, now doing my segment, Captain's Corner, I don't, I don't get involved other than they come out to me and I, you know, harass them and, uh, you know, let them try to get a word in edgewise. I, I don't know if you know this or not, guys. I, I like to talk. No. Uh, <laughs> Couldn't tell. I mean, never would know. Never would know. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a gift and a curse. Uh, no, it's, it's great. It's great. Mm-hmm. So it's a part of the show that I call Kids Corner. The kids questions. I work with foster kids and they had they ask the same questions. So it's gonna be a rapid fire question. So are you ready? Ready. Favorite food. Hot dogs and noodles. Hot dogs and noodles. I haven't heard that. All right. Yeah, that's a new one right there. <laughs> now I gotta ask Four people Just... unite. Did you take hot dogs? You take <laughs> egg noodles, you put them together, you got a meal for you know five bucks. Nice. Beef, mm -hmm. beef hot dogs or chicken and pork hot dogs? Uh, chicken and pork hot dogs. Okay, all right. Does pineapple belong on pizza? No. Oh, uh, come on, Captain. <laughs> Do I look like a pineapple pizza-eating guy? No. <laughs> Favorite book? Uh, the uh, – you would put me on the spot on that one. Uh, I never played the game from How It Goes Hell. All right. Favorite Bible verse? Ephesians uh, chapter 6 through uh, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Okay. That's about the total armor of God, wrestling uh, principalities. Okay. Favorite TV show? MASH. That's a good one. Great. Favorite movie? Uh, so many of them. Uh, yeah, well, favorite movie, uh, tough to tape. Uh, any one of the Clint Eastwood movies, probably. Okay. Any hobbies outside of wrestling? Uh, I uh, go out and pretend to chase a little white ball around every once in a while. Uh, <laughs> okay. Golf. Uh, I like to uh, you know ride my motorcycle. I like to go fishing. Okay. Uh, favorite sports team? Dallas Cowboys. Sorry. 
Yeah. Well, the Dallas Cowboys, not the Detroit Lions, Dallas no. Cowboys. Detroit oh. football. <laughs> I mean, we might have to have a wager here in a couple of weeks. So I'm going to have to. <laughs> what's your favorite? What's your Mount Rushmore of wrestlers? Mount Rushmore of wrestlers? Uh, Bruno San Martino, Gorilla Monsoon, uh, the Pat Patterson, and uh, Hulk Hogan. Coolest athlete or actor you ever met? The coolest one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, met Joe Ferguson, former quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, met Clint Eastwood. Uh, met, uh, let's see, and then, of course, you, I can't, you know, I would be neglecting if I didn't say I met Andre the Giant, and I'm just now getting my arm back. He shook my hand, and his nice. hand went up to my elbow. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. So, um... You are Captain's Corner, right? Yes. All right, so let's let's play a little bit of uh, role-playing here. So we got Captain's Corner at the CWF Sportatorium. Lordatorium, sorry. And this song hits. What do you say? I am the way, the truth, the life. That just ruined my appetite. We'll have to do this one right here. All right, all right. they're going to come out and they're going to make all kinds of noise right now. Don't pay any attention to them. It's the Bible Club. Shh. Don't give in to their ways that they want you to think. They want you to think they're great. Not possible. There, how was that? That's great. That's great, man. So we're in a CWF <laughs> moment. Um, the reason why we do this is, uh, or I guess for one reason. I mean, I, I want. We talk about wrestling, and I appreciate you sharing your stories. They were yes. interesting stories. But one thing I love about Monday nights is we get to hear about your love for Jesus Christ. And we get to hear your testimony. And so I close this, kind of close the, the end of the show with talk about your your testimony, your love for Jesus Christ. And I heard of this thing that you, the church you belong to is a biker church. So that's a all, all those things wrapped in one. What yeah, it's the, my, uh, you know, my life has been blessed uh, when, you know, for the people of the world may look at it because I've, you know, I'm not the richest man in the world. I'm not that, but I've been blessed. I've gotten to play at things I love my entire life. Now, with that being said, I was in some situations over the years where it could have turned south really, really quick. And when I was younger, I wasn't quite sure what what that was because I always felt something that was just kind of, you know, grabbing me by the back of the neck and saying, no, 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 no. <laughs> and what it ended up being was as I got older, I figured out that was the Holy Spirit uh, telling me, don't, don't go into that cesspool. Don't go into that cesspool. And I'm not going to sit here and uh, – portrayed to be a goody two shoes because I was not by any stretch of the means, but I didn't fully go into uh, cesspool land. And it was always there to, you know, kind of keep me around the perimeter so that when it was time to pull me out, uh, rinse me off and dust me off, I was still uh, relatively ready to go with that. My, you know, and that love of Jesus Christ that I have has gotten me through dark times, has gotten me through uh, you know, the things that weren't going right in my life. And I've never been one of those guys that was like, well, I don't understand why it's not going right. And I always understood when, you know, I wasn't doing what I needed to do. 
I was I was messing up. I was not applying what I needed to what I needed to do, where I needed to go, who I needed to be around. And I had to adjust to who, uh, you know, who I was and who the people I surrounded myself were so that I could understand that better. We, we have a saying here and we're, you know, we're not truly a biker church anymore. You know, it's, everyone's old. Uh, There's just a couple of us that still ride, but you know, there were times we'd have 40 or 50 people going to do what we call riding and praying. Uh, which is, you know, our rap runs, somebody's in need of prayer. And it'd be funny because here come 40 or 50 bikes down a residential street and uh, you're watching people pull their children off and <laughs> bring them inside the house. And, you know, the pastor would always look at us and go, huh, you'd never, you'd think they never saw a bunch of Christians riding down the street before. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, so, and that's, and that's what it is. You have to feel comfortable where you go. And this is for anybody. I hear people all the time talking about, well, I'm just not comfortable in church. I myself am a recovering Lutheran and Methodist. Uh, and then I realized that that's religion and religion is of man. I needed to find some place that was Bible centric. You know, we're going to preach the word out of the red words of the Bible because that's what we're supposed to do. And I had to feel comfortable because once again, look at me. Uh, you know, walking into a place with the long hair and the tattoos. Uh, let's face it. There's some people that are quote unquote Christians that are very, very judgmental. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, they look at me walking into their church and they'd be calling the police on me. And you know, so we found our niche with this church and they're all great people and they're all, you know, godly people. And uh, through that, we grow into, uh, you know, into following what Christ wanted us to do and going forward from there. Awesome, man. Thank you for that. Uh, yes. Uh, thank you, Mr. Captain, um, for coming on the show. I will say this. Um, it's not solid yet, but I mean, we're going on in the talks. Uh, we're hoping to be down there in 2024. Maybe we can sit ringside with you and uh, do some announcing with you. That'd be cool. Be on the I'd love to have you guys down. Always, you know, everyone's, we're all brothers. Uh, you know, <laughs> So, um, Rico, you have anything more? No, I know they got to get going. Um, so a little bit over an hour, man. We just really appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on. Just you know, telling your story. I apologize if I if I rambled and, and put you no, over time. No, 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 no. I appreciate the con- the uh, the answers, man. I was I just I say we say an hour, but it's I never we never we never hit an hour. We hit hour fifteen, hour twenty. <laughs> It don't matter. It's it's fun. I again, I use this podcast um for my self care. Believe it or not, getting away from an hour and a half of kids helps me survive. I mean, I'll be honest. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> oh no, you trust me. As as a as a grandfather of six grandchildren now, uh, that's your that's your respite because you can go here. You go. Your mom's yes. calling you. Your daddy's calling yes. you. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. But. Uh, you know, I, one thing I wish you had asked me, because one of my favorite stories is you know, nobody asked me where the name came from. I had one more question. What? Where did the name Captain with a K come from? Well, Captain from a K kind of morphed, but I've been Captain since I was in fourth grade. Really? Tell uh, us about that. Yeah. My full, what, name what a great Kevin, <laughs> my full name is Kevin Kirk Kasky. Okay. So, uh, but a friend of mine heard my grandfather call me Kevin. And if you remember, uh, back in the 70s, there was a cartoon called 
uh, Captain Caveman. Yes. And girls that were riding around with Captain Caveman called him Cavey. And my friend heard Cavey. So it's like, oh, Cavey, like Captain Caveman. And so that stuck. And then to kind of perpetuate that more, uh, we go back to my middle name is what? Is Kirk. So fill in the blank there where the captain <laughs> <came> from. <So. laughs> wow, that's awesome, man. So that, that was pretty just, sweet, just, right? Just there. to be cool, I had to spell it differently. You know, everyone's you everyone go. could be a captain with a C. Right. Not, oh, yeah. be captain with a Not a Captain Caveman or Captain Kirk. So yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Captain, I love it. That's that is great. awesome. So I'm gonna play up, I'm gonna close the show. Don't go anywhere. I'd like to speak with you off, off camera. So Huge Pop Wrestling Podcast. I really, really appreciate you guys coming in. I appreciate Rico being part of the team, man. I love you. He's my brother. My son's married to his daughter, so we share the same grandkids, so it's awesome. Um, thank you for Rico being part of the team. Thank you, um, Captain, for being on the show. And, um, man, when we get down there, we'll have to have the Bible Club come in the ring, and we'll do Captain's Corner at the Bible Club. And so I'm just saying. Huge Pop Wrestling Podcast. Thank you. We're going to be kind of cutting the shows a little um, short this week uh, and next week due to family holiday time. But uh, Huge Pop Wrestling Podcast fans, we love you guys and we're out. All my dogs, make some noise up in this house. in the house, who is in the house, it's the gangster of destruction, so you know what's going down, and when the drive-by's coming, then you better hit the ground, cause when your body hits the canvas, then your ass is knocked out, who is in the house, who is in the house, it's the gangster of destruction, so you know what's going down, and when the drive-by's coming, then you better hit the ground, cause when your body hits the canvas, then your ass is knocked out, like with Adrian Whisper, it's like a fight with the devil, because when he's dealing with you, you cannot get on this level, 